Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for coming to this time of celebration and remembering John Champ's life. Uh, it's just hard to believe, actually, that we're here together to remember his life. He's just so full of vitality and just wanted to continue to live. What an, an incredible man, really. And I know that each of you comes with your own memories. Uh, you come because you're either a friend or an acquaintance, uh, a family member, a work associate, a golf buddy. I mean, there are so many ways that you could have known John. Uh, you could have just known him because you went to his backyard and helped fix his hill. I have no idea how, <laughs> how you know John. But uh, we are so thankful that you are here, and it means so much to the family for you to be here and to be an encouragement. And so we want this time together to be encouraging to everyone. Uh, wonderful service has been planned of remembering his life and celebrating the fact that he's with Jesus today. And so we have much that we can give thanks for. Uh, at the same time, uh, there will probably be a few tears and that's just appropriate because uh, we love John. And when there's a time of separation, you can't but have some tears. If there wasn't love, then there would be no tears. But uh, since we loved him so much, uh, that will probably be a part of our time as well. And we also, if you saw from the uh, bulletin program, there's a time of open sharing. And we uh, want you just, even as we have this time together, to be thinking about something that you might like to share, a few of you. Uh, could share publicly. You're probably the extroverts, but uh, even if you're an introvert, you could share publicly, and you never know how much that could encourage the family or encourage somebody else, and so be thinking about that, and if you do share, even as you begin to think about it, think about how you could keep it really short. Because we don't need 200 messages uh, at this time of uh, remembering. So but we just want this to be really, really a special time. And so we thank you for coming. Oh, my name is Dave Gudgel, by the way. I've known John for over 30 years, had the privilege of ministering him, here with him. And my life is different because of John Champ. So it's my honor and privilege to be here to be a part of this as well. well let's pray together and ask for God's work. Lord, thank you for John, for giving him to us, uh, to so many people that are not even represented in this room, but especially to the family. Thank you for the wonderful marriage that he had to share. Thank you for his children. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done through the children even now. And, uh, there's spouses and the grandchildren, and there's just so much to rejoice over. Thank you for uh, his family that comes even from out of town to be here. We know that there's much that could be said, and we pray that things that are said about John would be honoring toward you and him, and this would be a very special time of celebrating and remembering. And you would bring comfort and hope, encouragement in this time of need, and that when we leave here in just a short time from now, we'll be able to leave just thanking you again uh, for the life that he lived, for the impact that he had on so many, and even the impact that he can have on us today. And so we ask your guidance and what's going to follow now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you can see in the order, we're going to have several people involved, and uh, 
they'll just come one after another to be a part of remembering John's life. There. John Harold Shane. It wasn't until a few minutes ago that I even knew what John's middle name was. So even in his passing, I continue to learn new things about our dear friend. John was born in Detroit, Michigan on November 4, 1946, <coughs> the younger of two boys. His older brother, Jerry, dad, John, and mother, Elsie, moved to California when John was about five years old. He grew up in the San Fernando Valley. His father was one of the top-ranked amateur golfers in Ohio and Michigan and taught John to play golf at a very young age. John was a natural and under his father's tutelage developed into one of the top-ranked junior players in Southern California. As a young boy on the weekends, his parents would drop him off at Knollwood Country Club early in the morning where he would caddy, play, and practice until after dark. He joined the Junior Golf Association and won many tournaments. He lettered in golf all four years of high school and played first man on the team both in high school and in college. When he was 18 years old, he qualified and played in the Los Angeles Open Golf Tournament as an amateur and was at that time the youngest person to play in it. During this time, one of the Nolwood members offered to sponsor him on the PGA Tour. That, however, was put on hold because John received his draft notice and he was sent to Vietnam. He was assigned as a gunner on the Chinook helicopters and was under fire. God protected him and he was transferred to the intelligence department. While he was working for the intelligence department, John received the bronze star for heroic action. When John returned home, he was offered the assistant golf pro position at Brentwood Country Club. While performing his duties at Brentwood, he played and won a number of local tournaments. John qualified to play on the PGA tournament and several of the members of the Brentwood Country Club offered to sponsor him. He raised enough money to continue playing for four years, including qualifying and playing in the 1971 U.S. Open at Marion Country Club in Philadelphia. This is one of my favorite parts. I heard this over and over again from John. John traveled all over the US to play in many tournaments, and he often traveled with a man named Dave. Dave was a Christian and spoke Christ scripture to John, and John thought that he was the wisest man he had ever met. It was through this association that John accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior when John left the tour, he wanted his parents to know Christ and began teaching a Bible study in their home for them and their neighbors. He also began a lifelong career in sales, and a co-worker introduced him to her cousin Cheryl, whom he married just a year later. And I have heard from Cher and from John that um, Cher really interrogated John. <laughs> and she really wanted to know if he knew the Lord Jesus Christ as his savior and it wasn't just a front. 
And obviously, she assumed that it was true, and it was, because a year later, she was Mrs. Champ. Um, John and Cheryl began attending Agora Bible Fellowship, where they spent the following 33 and a half years worshiping Christ, being mentored, fellowshipping with other believers, ministering and raising their family, which includes their children, Brian and Joanna. In 2006, Skyler made his debut, and John was thrilled to become a grandparent. If you're a grandparent, you know how many pictures are passed around between other grandparents. And this was just the beginning of our passing pictures. And right after that, Kelly followed. And this year, his twin grandchildren were born, Caleb and Violet. John was active on the elder board at ABF for many years. He taught home Bible study throughout his adult life and loved studying the Word of God. I served uh, on staff at this church for 16 years and on several elder boards with John Champ. And uh, got to know him, his character, and he was uh, like, uh, gave us all stability. And he was a pillar, and uh, he did a lot for this church. He raised a lot of money for the children's building and other buildings, and we owe a lot to John for his dedication and loyalty to this church. And uh, Cher and, and the family, I want you to know that we love you very much, and we're praying for you, and um, we hope that you'll receive comfort from God through this service. I'm going to read some scriptures that will help us um, focus on, on God and his plan for our lives. God is real to us. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He was John's Lord and Savior, not just in theory, but in fact. And I'm going to read some scriptures that will help us focus on that. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you, make the Lord, if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is our refuge. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord.
Sing with us if you'd like. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved us. my heart good to look out and see all of you folks, family and friends and all of you loved by us. And thank you so much for coming. I wanted to talk to you today about John, um, the John that I knew. I knew him probably better than anyone on this earth. I met John on a blind date in 1978. He was working for the same company as my cousin Kelly, and one day he asked her if she had um, any older sisters like her, and she said no, but she had a cousin, and she gave him my phone number, <laughs> and then she called me and told me what she had done, and 
told her I, I don't do blind dates, and she said, you know, he's really a nice guy. I think you'll like him. Well, John called me, and he wanted to meet. And so I said, let's meet at church, thinking that would kind of establish something about me and what was important to me. And um, I actually wanted to meet him at church and have him wear, I don't know, a flower or something. And I thought, if I saw him and it didn't seem right, I wouldn't go up to him. (laughs) But... um, he wouldn't have that. He wanted to come out and pick me up, and, and he did, and we went to church. And um, I thought, well, I wanted to stay for Sunday school. And I thought, well, that would be sort of a test to see if what he was made of, I guess. And that was just fine with John. We stayed and went to Sunday school. And um, that was the beginning of our lifelong relationship. He invited me then to his church. Um, he was going to a church just down the street, Van Nuys Baptist Church. It was a big church. And he was involved in um, the singles group there. And so he took me, and um, I met a group of wonderful people that um, loved God and studied His Word and knew how to have a lot of fun. And so we stayed there for a year. And um, we grew in our knowledge of God, and our love of God grew, and we grew in knowledge of each other, and, and our love grew. And a year later, we got married and got kicked out of the singles group. <laughs> this was really hard for us because we just love those folks. John moved to Agora, and he wanted to know if there was a church closer by than driving all the way into Van Nuys. And I said, I, I remembered that there was a little church over here next to the high school. And so we came to this church, and um, Pastor Brad Barshaw was then uh, the pastor here. And we came into that service, and Brad had a habit of standing at the back of the church and greeting people as they left. And uh, he greeted us, and so we came back the next week. And when we were leaving, the pastor remembered our names. And we were so impressed. We walked out of here. It was like, the pastor remembered our name. We had come from this big church where the past, we couldn't even get close to the pastor, but that was impressive to us. And we came back and we made this church our home. We love this church. We've ministered here for 33 and a half years and been ministered to. And we raised our children here. We made lifelong friends here. John served as an elder for many years, and he taught the Word of God in home Bible fellowships for most of those years. He loved God's Word, and he loved to study and teach. But John was more than a teacher and a hearer and a speaker of God's Word. He was a doer of God's Word. My children say that When you first meet somebody, you send your representative. You send your best self. Um, You don't show up in the fullness of who you are. You let that come later. But with John, he actually did show up in his fullness. Um, He was consistent in in all areas of his life. Who, Who he was at church was the same guy that he was at work, on the golf course, with his friends, and at home. 
He was kind and gentle and generous and loving. He was stable and steady and not easily ruffled at all. In fact, he was a problem solver, and when there was a problem that he couldn't work out, whether it was on a project or whatever, and, and there was frustration there, he would hum. He would just sing and hum. So I always knew when he was working on something and he was out there humming along that he was working through something. And he was a very positive person. Um, when he got up in the morning, when he'd get in the shower, the water would hit him and he'd start singing. And I'd think, there's my little songbird. It was just a great way to start the day. And he was an elegant man and a graceful man in movement. He always dressed well and took care of himself, and he was clean and tidy. And I mention these things to you because those things play out really well over a lifetime with someone. <laughs> he, um, he had a servant's heart, and if he saw something that needed to be done, he did it. He didn't point it out to other people and say, you know, that needs to be done, or to me, it's a little dusty over there, I need a little vacuum, how about getting those, you know. He just did it. Um, took out the trash <laughs> like 10 times a day because we're really trashy people. <laughs> um, he was easy to live with and he had a great sense of humor and he laughed easily and often. He was spontaneous. He was always up for an adventure. And he was available to me and to our children. If we needed him, he would come. We could always count on him. It didn't matter if he was at work or, or what he was doing. If we needed him, he would come. He would drop everything. He was our rock. And I, I never questioned John's love or loyalty to me. Um, what a relief that is in a life. He knew me and he knew my tolerances. I've always felt fully loved and accepted by him. He welcomed me and he invited me in. I never felt pushed away. I never feared rejection from him. If I got close to John, I got a kiss or a hug. Um, many times, many times, and my children would attest to this, he'd come into the room and sweep me up in his arms and dance me around the room and end with a final dip. Family was important to John, and he loved our children, Brian and Joanna, and he loved spending time with them. When he became a grandparent, um, life got even better for him. He loved Skylar and Callie. And when he found out that our daughter was pregnant this year with twins, he was just overjoyed. And I'm so glad he had a chance to meet Caleb and... Violet, they're so precious. I hope you see them afterward. They'll be in the room over there. Um, even in his final days, his grandchildren brought him joy. He was a great companion. He was the love of my life. I miss him, and I'll always miss him. Many of you have called to say, you know, what can you do? And there is something that you can do. On behalf of John and myself, I would say this to you. Love your spouse. Be good to your spouse. Be generous and kind and forgiving. Say yes as often as you can. 
kiss them hello and kiss them goodbye and always kiss them goodnight and good morning. That's what you can do. Hi, everyone. Just got a couple things to say. And I'll try to keep it short and keep it together. So I've always considered myself lucky. Really, I have. And my dad was proof of it. He entered my life when I was very young and impressionable. He immediately stepped in and has a had a positive impact on me and my surroundings. I was a handful him, a handful for him, to say the least. I didn't make it easy, but he never faltered in his belief in me. It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I began to grasp the sacrifices that Dad made for me throughout my life. Dad helped teach me many incredibly valuable lessons, and I can't possibly name them all. Uh, but I'm going to name a lot of them, so get ready. <laughs> he taught me how to follow through and finish what I started. He implored me to always do my best and stand up for what I believe in. He made it clear how to offer compassion and understanding to those that need it. And he helped me understand what it means to provide deeply and love deeply for my family. Dad was always committed to us. He's the kind of hands-on dad and grandpa that we all hope to be, really. I have a great mental picture of him walking in my house and seeing my son Skylar on the floor playing with his trains when he was about two years old. He immediately got on the floor, picked up a car saying, what are we playing? You know, it didn't matter that he was wearing slacks and ready to go. He just kind of wanted to get into his elbows, and, you know. He adored his grandkids. The smile on his face and the light in his eyes was unparalleled when he was holding Skylar or Callie or Violet or Caleb. Really just incredible. He was always so quick to lend a hand and offer assistance or advice. Somehow he'd do it and you never felt like he was pushing his own agenda on you either. Amazing quality. I'm going to do my best to raise my family with the type of honor and integrity that he did. You know dad loved golf. Many of you probably pretty aware of that. Once a good friend of his asked him to play golf on the weekend, and Dad declined, saying, weekends are for family. It's funny, I, I'd actually never heard that before last week. But thinking back on it, it's exactly how he lived, um, which is very indicative of him, those of you that know him. He's not boisterous, and he didn't tell you what to do, but he would show you what to do every time. He led by example. I'm going to miss my dad terribly. I'll never play around the golf without him since he's always with me out there on the course. He's just going to have to wait until Monday because weekends are for family. Thank you for coming, everyone. Hi, I'm John Handlos, and I just want to say that, that I'm proud to say that John Champ was my best friend. So, uh, there's so many great things to say about John. And I want to say something, uh, I'd like to say something about each and every one of them, but because there's so many, we'd be here forever. Let me just tell you about three things that I think about when I think about John. The first is humility. I'm sure that some of you know that for five years, John played professional golf on a PGA Tour. 
but I'm also reasonably sure you didn't hear that from him. He had opportunity after opportunity to share this accomplishment with others, but never did. Only if, you put his, put, only if he were put in a situation that made him impossible not to share that experience would he do so, but even then he would try to end the conversation as quickly as possible. I found that so incredible, to, so incredible, and talk about a contrast, John would always say to me, I am a poor loser, but I'm even a worse winner. <laughs> Patience is another attribute. If, if any of you saw my golf swing, you'd know what the definition of ugly really is. <laughs> John would spend countless hours with me on the driving range trying to improve and help me. Most would have thrown up their hands in disgust and say, you are impossible. <laughs> Not John. He would keep working with me and working with me and always had positive words of encouragement. Love. Love for all, but especially for family. Family always came first with John. I remember once asking John to play a round of golf on the weekend, and he quickly responded, I don't play on weekends. That's time for family. All of you meant so much to him. You were his world, and now you've become his legacy. What a wonderful legacy you are. What a wonderful legacy he's left. These attributes, as well as hundreds of others that John possessed, were a direct result of his application of the Word of God. He truly was a righteous man. I'm going to miss John a lot, but I need to focus not on my loss, but rather on his gain. I need to understand his joy and visualize that infectious smile with those wall-to-wall -wall teeth as he rejoices in the presence of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well done, good and faithful servant. I love you, John Shap. Thanks for everything. My name is Gary Miller. Uh, John was a very close friend of mine. Um, John loved to teach the Word of God, uh, and that's where we became friends. We were in the same home Bible study for over 30 years. Um, we started out as members of the group um, and grew to become friends over spending time and eating and uh, camping. And eventually, through the years, we just became part of their family. Um, uh, we, we, we love John. Um, I remember one vacation when we went to Carpinteria. Uh, and John was putting up the tent, and he didn't have the tent stakes. So John and I walked into town, into the hardware store, and they didn't have tent stakes. Well, John was a very resourceful man. And the hardware store didn't have tent stakes, but they did sell screwdrivers. <laughs> Cher, do you remember that you had the best-looking tent stakes in the campground? <laughs> they had polished black handles and yellow stripes and said Stanley on them. <laughs> uh, we just enjoyed each other's company. Uh, we have many sweet memories. Um, we prayed for each other. We prayed for their family, and of course, we prayed for the kids. We prayed for their spouses. 
We're praying for the people that they married when they were still in grade school. Um, and later on, when the, we prayed for grandkids. Um, he, was, uh, he loved his family. He was very proud of you. Um, we all are going to miss John. We have a, a hole in our heart, a hole in our life, because he's gone. Um, if he were here today, he would tell us to fill that hole with Jesus. Um, God's word says that uh, he who has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. It also says no one comes to the Father except through the Son. This is already encouraging, and, uh, you know, I was just thinking about Gary and John and how um, when the Champs first came to this church, neither Gary nor John were Christ followers. They were being prayed for by their wives to come to a place of salvation. And uh, to have both of you be a part of this service just means so much, and then to have you become the close friends that you were to the family. Wow, that's a testimony in itself. Uh, maybe there's somebody, a couple people, a few, who would like to say something. The only thing is we're going to ask you, if you do want to say something, to come all the way up here so that the family could see you. And this could be something that you could share. But uh, maybe there are a few of you, and if not, uh, we'll have a reception afterwards where we'll be able to just encourage each other at the reception and tell a lot of stories, and you can share some stories at the reception as well with the family. But perhaps there may be a few, even right now. Anybody? Hang on just a second. She wants to say something first. Do you want to say something? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to stand up? You okay there? You want to, whatever you want to do. Well, why don't you just sit down? That might be easier. You, you want to stand? I can stand. Okay. Go ahead and tell everybody who you are. Well, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I was John's mother-in-law. And, uh, John was a big tease, but he found he had, um, he couldn't get on, uh, ahead of me because I was already married to a, a six footer. <laughs> so anyway, we, we got along just fine. Oh, yeah. And he loved golf and uh, he helped me with, with a golf game. I never was really real good, but he taught me how to do it. And we got along really good. Yes, you did. Thank you. Wow. Well, um, compared to many of you that are here, I didn't know John all that long, maybe a dozen years. Um, we, uh, my wife and I studied in his Bible study, um, golfed together. Um, he didn't spend as much time with me as he did handle his fix in my swing. <laughs> <laughs> He had just as much opportunity, though. Um, but one of the things I remember is uh, our Sunday morning brunch. Uh, I know several of you have also attended Sunday morning brunch. Let me 
describe Sunday morning brunch. That was meeting at Costco and having a Costco dollar and a half hot dog. <laughs> um, and there's probably, what, a half dozen to a dozen people over time that, that would do that with him. And it was just one of those pleasant times uh, that you remember. Um, prayers before we would eat and then um, fellowship. Um, but he was just a godly man that was fun to be with. Anybody else? All right. Hi, I am uh, Jason. I am Joanna's husband. And uh, I just wanted to say that uh, I'm very lucky to know John and to have him part of my life. I'm very grateful. Um, I didn't have a, a strong dad when I grew up. And, for to have him and the knowledge that I had with him for six years or so, uh, he taught me a whole bunch that I'm going to be able to transfer to my twins. And uh, he, he also helped me find the Lord and, and the strength that I have right now. Uh, it started with Joanna. And then the more that I talked with him, you know, the more that uh, he could solidify the truth for me. And he, he was a, a, a pillar of light for sure. And I'm just, I'm just here to say thank you. For, you know, to him, to, for his uh, influence in my life. And we all love you, John. Thank wow. you. You're welcome. Well, it's a one for the money. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Tom Hester, and uh, Cheryl is my niece, or my wife's niece. And uh, I'm part of the family, I guess, too. Uh, <laughs> My daughter was the one that uh, set up the blind date with uh, Cheryl. I think uh, you were in high school, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, as you know, was a professional golfer. And um, Judy, my wife Judy and I, uh, we camp a lot. We have some friends that are, think they're golfers and uh, that camp with us. And you hear these guys, there's about six or eight of them, um, Every time we go out camping, they, they say, you know, I'm like, I'm almost on the, on the tour, you know, and they're shooting like 180, <laughs> and, and that's nine holes. <laughs> and uh, uh, I set up a, uh, for a deal for John and Cheryl to visit us while we were camping, and I told these fellows, I said, I need three other guys to, uh, that really are, you think you're pretty good. Uh, uh, to play with this other fellow, and I think he might be pretty good too. And uh, I was setting it up that I was that John was going to come in here and just whack that ball, and these guys are going to, you know, shooting 180 or something like that, or fall apart. Well, unfortunately, I got out the day before uh, they got there. Some Judy said something about John being a pro or something like that. And the next day, I said, "Now, are you guys going to uh, play with him?" And he says. Not me. No. I mean, everybody backed away from it. But they went out and played, and they had a good time. But every since then, every year we get together with this, this one group, they said, are you going to bring John? You know, because they, they really like to play with him. But John was a rock. He really was. He was a rock in the family. Uh, loved the Lord. Loved his family. A fine gentleman. We miss him. Anybody else? This is great to hear these stories. 
I'm McKenna Hanlos, and um, one memory that we'll never forget about Mr. Champ. Um, sorry, let me just pull it together really quickly. Um, I've known him my whole life, and he has been a second dad to me. He showed me love, support, um, but I haven't, I didn't become close to him until probably, I would say, three years ago when I started to um, kind of figure out what I want to do in life and where I want to go. And um, we, my dad always calls with him, the three Johns, and um, I would go with them a couple of times. And I'm not a golfer, but I just sit in the car and watch them golf. And I had the best time, you know. And um, the affection that Mr. Champ had on my father and the happiness and the love that he showed to him is probably going to be one of the best memories that I will remember for the rest of my life. And he always just had such an open heart. And, you know, every time I saw him, no matter if it was, you know, two weekends in a row, it's, how are you? You know, how's life? Like, what are you doing? It, it just, he was so interested and actually cared about you and, and the person you, you were and how he, he truly loved you and he truly, you know, like what Cher was saying, put himself, all, he was always there, fully there. And the memories that we have of him are, are great and, and I will truly miss him. Thanks, Michaela. Thank you. That's good. Well, we're going to show some slides. Um, it must have been really hard to pull all these slides together. I think Joanna was a big part of this um, and because you're trying to figure out which ones not to show and which ones to show. But you have a great selection of slides. But there's also a selection of music that goes with the slides here that has a little bit of connection to his life. Some of his favorite songs. Okay, so... That he sang over and over. Okay, I... I wanted you to hear that because some of you will be thinking in just a moment, why did they pick that, you know? <laughs> and so this is a great opportunity just to see some pictures and memories and uh, to reflect on his life. And let's just do that together. Well, it's a one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready and I go cat go. But don't you step on my blue suede shoe. Well, you can do anything but take me over my blue suede shoe. Well, you can knock me down, step in my face, slander my name all over the place. Well, do anything that you want to do. But now, uh, honey, lay off them shoes and don't you step on my blue suede shoe. Well, you can do anything but take me over my blue suede shoes. Let's go, Cat! Steal my car, drink my liquor from an old fruit jar. Well, do anything that you wanna do. But uh, uh, honey, lay off of my shoes and don't you step on my blue suede shoes. Well, you can do anything. 
But the key over my blue suede shoes Rock it! For the money, looking for the show, three to get ready now. Go, 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 but don't you step on my blue suede shoes. Well, you can do anything but the help of my blue suede shoes. Well, it's blue, blue, blue suede shoes. Blue, blue, blue suede shoes. Yeah! Blue, blue, blue suede shoes, baby. Blue, blue, blue suede shoes. Well, you can do anything but the help of my blue suede shoes.
with a love that's true always when the things you've planned need a helping hand I will understand always always days may not be fair That's when I'll be there Not for just an hour Not for just a day Not for just a year But always be that's when I'll be there not for just an not for just a day not for For just a year, but Eventually, 
has really been encouraging, hasn't it? Wow. And just to see those slides, it's just something else to uh, reflect back on John's life. He was a good man. And that really was the thought that I had as I was thinking through some thoughts to share today. It, uh, it, he was like Barnabas. I don't know if you're familiar with the Barnabas figure in scriptures, but it says that Barnabas was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And I thought, that's John. That's what John was like. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of faith. He was a good man. And, you know, it, you come to a moment like this, and sometimes you just don't realize what you have in a relationship until after the relationship is gone. And I hope that that didn't happen to you in this relationship here, but it could. And so to be able to just be together and to realize this wonderful man that God gave uh, to the family and to others is uh, something just that we don't want to let slip through our fingers and not really think about. Why was he a good man? Uh, what was it that was behind the person that he was? He was one of the leaders in this church for years. You heard that he was in the church for 33 and a half years he worked tirelessly. Uh, it's amazing that they stayed in this church, quite frankly. I was in the church when they first came, and I was an associate pastor at the time. 
they stayed after I became the pastor, which is pretty rare, especially uh, when you've been connected to a wonderful person like Brad Barshaw and the godly man that he was and the relationship that the Champs had with Brad. But uh, John was young and Cher was younger and you know we were young back then and, and they stayed and I, uh, because uh, they stayed, became a different person. As I look back on the years that we shared together and I was here at the church for 25 years, so a good portion of uh, the time that he was here, um, I grew up and I think a lot of that is connected to uh, the kind of guy that John was and the support that he gave me all throughout the years. Uh, He was a yes person, not in the sense that he would just say yes, go do that Dave or something like that, but is if you look at the pictures here, he had a yes face. Some people have no faces, you know what I mean? it's not that they don't have a face, it's just when you look at their face, you know it, it's no, whatever it is. But when you look at John, and this was just John, right? He was just, all, you always felt, this guy's for me, and he will get behind anything that we're gonna talk about, and he'll work with it and uh, help us get there, whatever. It is, he just was that kind of an individual. And so he helped uh, me, the church, throughout the years. He stood with us, he counseled, he gave advice, he prayed, uh, he gave sacrificially financially, he gave sacrificially through just hard manual labor. Uh, This campus flooded on several occasions. I don't know if it still does, but I could still remember John behind buildings, you know, moving sandbags and other things like that. He was just that kind of a guy. And he served year after year, as you already heard, on the elder board, which is endless. It could just be endless sacrificial hours. And yet he gave over and over, year after year. He didn't walk away from it when things were difficult. He dug in and hung in there. You heard he was a home Bible fellowship leader. That's something that Some people try for a year or two, and then they say, I don't think I ever do that again. But to have him, you know, for years, just continue to prepare the scriptures and pray and be an encouragement to the others that were a part of his group, all of that was so much a part of his life. So he was a good man. He was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And I was thinking about John in light of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica when in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Paul said this, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father, and then this part, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think those three qualities were really evident in John, just as they were in the church at Thessalonica, which is one of the best churches that you read about in the Bible. Uh, John was uh, driven by his faith in his work. And if you even just connect it to the several bosses that he had over the years, the jobs that he had, he always gave his best because He was doing it for the Lord more than anything else, and he wanted to please the Lord. So he lived, as we've already heard, with impeccable character. He was a person, as you've heard, of integrity, of honesty. He was a man of righteousness, and I love the definition of righteousness that says, righteousness is knowing what's right and doing what's right no matter what. 
and that was John. He wanted to know what was right. He wanted to do what was right, no matter what, because he wanted to please the Lord. And so his work was driven by his faith. And people oftentimes would come to him and ask him for advice because he was such a person of faith. Also, his labor was an expression of his love, and we've already mentioned the different ways that he served here at the church tirelessly when he could have walked away, but he just absolutely loved this church, and in loving the church, of course, he was loving the Lord who drove him and guided him to be the person that he was, put a ton of effort into everything that he did, whether it was a leadership role or just even praying or giving advice. He worked for a spirit of unity. My goodness, you know, constantly helping people come on board and and work together instead of against each other. And then this final quality, his his endurance was inspired by his hope. Uh, John didn't want to die. I mean, it wasn't that uh, he wasn't ready to die. He knew that he would be in heaven, but he never lost hope. He, he always had this hope that he would get well, that he would be healed even up to the last minute. He felt that he uh, would be allowed uh, to overcome this disease. He wanted to stick around. He wanted to live more life here. He wanted to continue having an impact on other people. He wanted to be with his family. He wanted to continue to enjoy his marriage to share and uh, to his children and to their spouses and to the precious grandchildren and he wanted to keep on working for the Lord. So he wasn't ready to die, he was just driven by hope. Which, you know, begs the question, so why John? I mean, you know, why not somebody else who is ready to die and they don't really give a rip anymore and they're, they're not really doing anything anyway. They're just, you know, picked a bench and they're sitting on the bench anyway. So why John and why now? at such a young age. I didn't think this was a young age before, but now I still think (laughs) this is a young age. You know, why now? And uh, and you know what my answer to that is, having been in the ministry for for over 30 years? uh, My answer to that is, I don't know. I don't know why. Honestly, I don't. And I don't know this side of heaven that will ever know why. I, I know that there's a book in the Bible where um, the whole book is focused on trying to answer the why question. It's the book of Job. And if you know the story at all, you know Job uh, found himself in a lot of suffering and pain and loss. And his friends come to him and repeatedly basically say to him, you know, all this bad stuff's happening in your life because you're a bad person. There must be some kind of sin in your life, which isn't true at all. He was the most righteous man that was living on the earth. And so they have all these dialogues throughout the book, and finally at the end of the book, God speaks. And basically, when God speaks, he never answers the why question. You could look all through it. He doesn't answer the why question. He just talks about who he is. God talks about who he is and what he has done. And so for me, when I look at this circumstance with John, that's what I come back to. We'll probably never know why, but we know that there is a God who's in control and he has a plan for all of our lives, just like he had a plan for Job's life and just like he had a plan for John's life. And so even as we were talking last week when I was here in town with the family, even to question that 
was offensive to God. I think somebody asked a question along those lines of, you know, so where do you think God is in your suffering? And that was offensive to John. It's the wrong question in a sense because God is working out his plan and John wanted to just trust him with that plan. So the, 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 the issue isn't really why, but it's more who and, and what. And the who is God who's working his plan in our lives to, to change us. And the what is perhaps what it is that he wants us to learn through a time of crisis like this. When my mother died at a very young age, she was in her 40s, we had a pastor come over and this is probably the only thing I remember about the pastor who came over and prayed for us. But he gathered us around as a family and he prayed and he said, God, help them not ask why this has happened, but what it is that you want to do in their life. I've never forgotten that. Because I kind of think that's really the message that comes out of the book of Job and maybe that's part of the message of, of today. And I think that John would want us to ask ourselves, what is it that the Lord wants us uh, to come away with in the midst of this time of crisis? I, we already heard Cher say, you know, keep short accounts, love those that are a part of your life, make hanging out together a priority, tell each other that you love each other. You know, John was like that. He just was that kind of person who expressed his love and affection and kept short accounts, and if there was a problem, he worked it out. And I think that's probably one of the what's in this for us, is that we make the most of the relationships that we have right now. And for us, that's different, right? For every one of us sitting in this building today, that's different, but no doubt there are some relationships in our life that perhaps we can put some more time and energy into than we have. And then for me, the second what in this is make the most of the time that we have. Because we don't know how much time that we have. I mean, just a little over a year ago, all of a sudden John finds out that he has this cancer. No idea leading up to that. I mean, one night after a Bible study, all of a sudden there are signs of something's wrong. And then just a little over a year later, he's gone. And we don't know how long we're gonna have. We know that the scripture says that our days are numbered and so we need to learn to number our days since our days are numbered. C.H. Spurgeon some time ago said it this way, if you don't wish to be full of regrets when you're obliged to be lie still, work while you can. Don't, don't stuff your sick bed with mournful reflections that you wasted time while you were in health and strength. Crowd as much as you can into every day and postpone no work till tomorrow. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. And can't you just, as I was looking at those pictures, you just see that John was a guy that could live in the moment and enjoy the moment for everything that was there. I mean, that one of him putting the tile in in the bathroom, you know, and, the pic and, and he's smiling when he got the picture, and I'm just thinking, if that was me, I would have had a no face for sure right there, you know? <laughs> but just even the ability to make the moment of that stuff, I mean, that's amazing. And then the last thought for me is um, not just only making the most of the relationships that we have and making the most of the time that we have, but making sure while we have the time that we're prepared to die. While we have the time making sure that we're prepared to die. 
There's a question answered in the book of Job. It says, if a man dies, will he live again? That's a huge question, isn't it? If a man or a woman dies, are we going to live again? And the Bible says in Acts chapter 24, verse 15, there's going to be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked, meaning everybody after this life is going to live again somewhere. And one of the great promises that we've already heard today is that we can live forever with Jesus Christ because Jesus made that possible for us to have a relationship with God forever and his family, those who want in on the family. He's not gonna force you to live with them if you don't want it. I mean, that's not like, you know, God is a bad God or something. Hey, if you don't want a relationship with God forever, he's gonna say, fine, have it your way. I don't want it that way for you, but if that's what you want, okay. And for me, when I think about this, as somebody recently asked me on an airplane, why do you believe what you believe? When I think about this, the reason I believe what I believe is first of all because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus raised from the dead. And the fact that he raised from the dead, if, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but this changes everything. It's a life changer, it's a game changer that Jesus was raised from the dead. Because he's not like a lot of other religious leaders who've lived before, who died and that was the end of it. But Jesus did what it was that he said he was going to do. That changes who Jesus was and the impact that he should be having on our lives right now. That's why, first of all, I believe what I believe. Because I believe Jesus is alive and I believe Jesus made it possible for us to live after we die. But that's not gonna be something that he forces on anybody, it's something that you receive as a gift. And so Jesus, in this situation where Lazarus had died, and Martha's wondering what is the deal with this one, because if you would have been here a few days before, this wouldn't have happened. I mean, your timing's kind of off on this. But Jesus wanted them to hear something that we still need to hear to this day. And so Jesus said to Martha, Lord, in fact, if she said, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me, and here it is, shall never die. And then he asked this huge question, do you believe this? And that's really the question that every one of us should be thinking about right now. Do I believe that if I believe in Jesus that I will live after this life? Do I believe that? God's not gonna force you to believe that, but he invites you to believe that. He invites you to come to the same place that John Champ was at, where John realized he was separated from God because of his sin, and he could not make himself good enough to get to heaven. We couldn't go to church enough times. We couldn't give enough money. We could not do enough things to make ourselves good enough to get into heaven. But God said, I can take care of that. And so he sent his son Jesus into the world to pay for our sins, to sacrifice for us, and to make it possible by giving us a free gift to have eternal life after this life. You say, I don't know if I believe that. Well, think again about the resurrection.
Because if Jesus raised from the dead, we better believe it. And John Champ came to believe that. And that's why today he's experiencing eternal life. That's why today he's in heaven. Not because he deserved it, but because he received a gift. And I think the number one thing that John would say to us today is, have you received the gift? Because God wants to give you a gift of life that will change your life now, change your life forever. That's why the Bible says this. It says the day of one's death will be better than the day of one's birth. I mean, that's hard to believe, but it will be. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, we're of good courage and prefer rather, rather. So the rather is instead of living here, the Apostle Paul, his perspective was instead of living here, we prefer rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. So you, if you were to ask me, so where's John today? He's present with the Lord. He's absent from his body. His spirit at the moment of death last Friday, November 9th, immediately went to be with the Lord. And he's experiencing what Paul said was a rather. We would rather be with the Lord. Now for us that doesn't, Makes sense because we're leaving behind family. And with leaving behind family, there's always grief connected to that. But the rather is connected to the fact that when we leave here, we're experiencing and we're going to experience eternal life in all its fullness. So wherever you are today, I just hope and pray for you the same thing I think John would want, and that is that you're absolutely sure that you've receive Jesus as your personal savior and now you could say unashamedly as John did I'm a Christ follower I'm a Christ follower by the way the Bible says you could know that right now you could ask yourself three questions related to three tests there's the doctrinal test simply do you believe Jesus is the son of God there is the social test do you love the brethren do you love the children that are children of God is that your habitual desire and then there's the moral test, do you desire to please God? The doctrinal test, the social test, and the moral test are all given as an indicator of helping a person know for sure that they're a Christ follower. It's not that those tests save you, Jesus saves you. There's just an indication in your life that Jesus is changing you. And he's changing you because you've received him as your personal Lord and Savior. God said on November 9th, John, your time's up. Welcome to eternity. His time wasn't up until he had served God's purpose in this generation, like David, and then he died. And it's just amazing to think at his young age, he had finished God's purpose in this generation, and then he died. And of course, we're still here to continue to serve God's purpose in this generation right now. Carl Band, a Scottish theologian, said this, no one can go back and make a brand new start, but anyone can start from now and make a brand new ending. Every one of us, we can't go back and fix that, but we can start right now and make a brand new ending. And so, what is it that we can reflect on, we can reflect on how important it is to make the most of the time we have, the relationships that we have, and make sure that we're ready for life after death by receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Savior.
Bible says that in a time like this, there's going to be grief. We need to grieve, it's good to grieve. It's an expression of love, as I've already said. But the good news, the Bible says in our grief, is that we can know John is alive, and John is going to return someday when he comes back with Jesus Christ. And when his coming happens, and it could happen at any time, John's spirit is going to be reunited with his body, and he's going to have a transformed, glorified body like Jesus Christ. And when all of that happens, if we're still alive at the moment that that happens, we're still living, then we're going to join John if we're in Christ, if we're Christ followers. We're going to join John in the heavens. And the Bible says, and we're going to be with the Lord and each other forever. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. And I, John, am now dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for John, and we thank you for his life and his love and his example. Thank you for his smile. Thank you for his face. We thank you for his work that will not be lost. We thank you for the husband that he was and the father that he was the friend and the elder, the leader and the teacher, the golf partner. We thank you for his talents and we thank you for his gifts. We thank you that he didn't sit on his talents or his gifts, he faithfully used them. We thank you for his faith in you, for his testimony even to us today. We look forward to a reunion with him Our prayer is that everyone who's sitting in this building right now and that ever came in contact with his life will be in that reunion. And we know that you've made it possible through Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that we, each of us, would be there. And if if there are any that are here even right now that have not yet received the gift, may they just receive the gift of life that's found in you. In fact, that that's your desire, just tell God that right now. Just tell him, Lord, I guess I've never really considered life forever with you. I would, I'm sorry I haven't. I realize I can't save myself, and so I ask that you would save me through Jesus. You'd make me a new person to change my life. You would help me be a faithful follower of yours like John was. If that's your desire, just tell God that. He'll hear that prayer. He'll hear it in whatever words you use. But he wants you to be a part of his family. He wants you to be a part of this reunion. And so we pray that you would receive that gift in that way. Father, until the day of the reunion, whether we die or are here when you come back with all those that are your children, 
May we make the most of the lives that we have and the relationships that we share. We thank you again that even today, in celebrating, uh, we are able to, with thanks, know that John is with you today. The life that we shared together was because of the good work that you wanted to do through him. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds I hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe My soul, my Savior, God, to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to Thee, how great Thou art. Son not sparing, sent him to die. I scarce can take it in. That on that cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. When Christ shall come, with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then i will bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my god how great thou
Wow. <laughs> I've been asked to uh, close this in prayer. Um, my name is Rod Stewart. I served on the board here at ABF with John for many years, and uh, he was a great guy to work with. Boy, he was faithful and get it done, and uh, it, was a, it was a privilege. And the one, one thing I'll really remember about John is I uh, visited him a couple of times in his illness, and one time I was at his house, and I said, John, how are you doing in your faith? And he said, you know, I'm just grateful. For the Lord, for family, and for all you friends. He had a great faith. And I was encouraged, and uh, so should you. He modeled Christ for all of us. He was a great man. Let's, let's stand, and I'll pray. And I would ask you wait for a few minutes while the Champ family uh, exits and goes over to the multi-purpose room. They invite all of you to come and share in a little refreshment and, uh, and a little chat. Um, so let's pray. Father, we just give you praise for the work that you have done in John's life, through John's life, he brought you glory. Um, his life was all about you. And we just enjoyed him. He was a delight. And our walk with you is strengthened because of him. He was a model to us. But above all, he wanted to please you. And uh, the one thing to take away here is that he was a follower of Christ. And he loved you. And uh, he was faithful to the end. May we, be, uh, may we live our lives in a similar fashion. But above all, we just give you praise. For you are the good and um, kind and always available, forgiving God. And we give you praise and we love you. And I ask now as we go that you would encourage us. You're also the God of all comfort. And I just pray that you'd comfort each of us that your presence would be stronger in our hearts. And Lord, we just uh, thank you for this wonderful time of remembrance, and we are grateful people. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.